Okay, could you take the word of God with me and we'll go in our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. By way of introduction, if I could ask you a simple question, do you want the favor of God on your life? Do you want God to bless you? Do you want him to pour out his goodness and his kindness and his favor upon you? I think all of us would answer in the affirmative, yes, of course. I want God's favor on my life. What if I ask, do you want your life to bring profit to others? Do you want the people around you to be benefited by the way you live? Well, here in this passage, we're going to meet a man who had the favor of God on his life and who brought much profit to others. And I'm hoping that we will learn from his example. We'll begin reading in verse 15, and we'll read uh, to the end of this chapter uh, responsively. So I'll read verse 15. If you can read verse 16 to the end of the chapter. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 15, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that every time we open it, you want to speak to us. And you have a message for each one of us, something that will apply to each of our lives. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would give uh, this preacher wisdom to speak on your behalf. Pray that you would guide my tongue to say only what you once said. We ask that your power would be on the word that is preached. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding of these truths and do a work in our hearts so that when we leave, we would Take what we've learned, we begin to live it out in our daily lives. Lord, please speak to us now as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to talk a little bit about the context of this passage, and then we'll jump into some practical application. Before the verses that we began reading, you'll remember that in this chapter, uh, the first chapter of Paul's uh, last letter to Timothy, he has been urging his son in the faith to be faithful to his calling in the gospel. Uh, and there's a great urgency in Paul's voice, uh, because as we read in verse 15, all they in Asia had turned away from Paul. Uh, he felt very lonely near the end of his ministry. So many people in whom he had invested had abandoned him and had Turn from the faith. And so it's imperative that Timothy, as you read in verse 1 of chapter 2, be strong in the grace which is in Christ Jesus, and hold fast the thing that he, things that he's been taught, and pass them on to others, so that the work of the gospel 
will go on even after Paul's death. And so Paul is giving these urgent commands. He's charging Timothy to be faithful. But in the midst of all this, he pauses to acknowledge a faithful man named Onesiphorus. And this man's name, if you want to jot this down in your notes, it literally means prophet bringer. So someone who brought profit to others. And here in these verses, the Apostle Paul prays for Onesiphorus. Now, it's a neat window into the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. He's in the midst of urgently commanding Timothy, some very important things, but he pauses to pray. And this, this life of constant prayer, it, it's evident even in the way he writes. And what does he pray for Onesiphorus? He prays in verse 16, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. And then in verse 18, he says, The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And so the Apostle Paul is praying and desiring for Onesiphorus that he will have mercy of the Lord in the here and now, not only for himself, but for his whole household, but also in that day. When he stands before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul's desire for Onesiphorus is that he would enjoy the mercy of God in that day and, and be rewarded for his labor. And, and, and that is Paul's desire. That is what he is praying. But because this is an inspired letter, uh, this isn't just a peek into anyone's prayer journal. This is, this is words inspired by the Holy Spirit. We know that these prayers aren't just the wishful sentiments of the Apostle Paul. Th this was an expression of God's desires for Onesiphorus. You see, not only Paul, but God wanted to give Onesiphorus and his family mercy in the here and now and at that day, at the judgment seat of Christ. And you know, Christian, this is God's desire for every single one of us. God wants to give us his mercy, his kindness, his favor uh, upon us and our families in the here and now. And at that day, when we see the Lord Jesus, he wants to be able to pour out his favor and mercy in that day as well. That is God's desire for you. The Bible says in Micah 7, verse 18, that God delighteth in mercy. That God delights in pouring out his favor on his children. God does not delight in judgment. God does not delight in pouring out his wrath, but he delights in mercy. God wants more than anything else in your life to bless you. Matthew 7, 11, the the Lord Jesus compares the heavenly father with earthly fathers, and he says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? The only reason people miss out on good things from God is because they don't ask. Because he's sitting on the edge of his throne, wanting to pour out his favor, wanting to pour out his mercy, wanting to give us good things in the here and now. It's not just the here and now that God wants to give us his mercy. At that day, when we are presented to the Lord Jesus, God wants that to be a glorious day for every one of us. 
Jude 1 verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That is God's desire for you. That you would experience abundant mercy in that day and you'd be presented before the Lord Jesus with exceeding joy. Now, we all understand that we could never earn God's favor. So the idea that we can somehow work uh, to, to, to gain God's mercy or His grace in our lives on our own, uh, you won't find any support for that in Scripture. Every good thing that God does in our lives and that God gives us is not because of us, because we deserve it or because we have earned it, but it is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who has ever lived that deserves God's favor, that deserves God's kindness, that deserves his blessing. But because he lives on the inside of us and his goal is to manifest himself through us on a daily basis, you and I have the choice to allow the Lord Jesus to have his way in our lives and to bring the favor and mercy of God upon us, or to live our own way and forfeit God's favor. But we have the choice to yield to the indwelling Christ, to, to, to let him live through us, and to let him bring the mercy of God upon us every single day. And here in this passage, we see a man that did just that. He let the Lord Jesus live through him, and by doing so, he brought profit to others, and he brought the favor of God upon himself and his family and all those around him. So let's ask, how can we cooperate with the indwelling Christ and obtain the favor of the Lord? How can our lives look like Onesiphorus's and just manifest the life of Christ within us and bring God's favor? Well, there are many ways that we could answer that question. Uh, we could go to many different scriptures. But here in this passage, this is what we're going to find tonight. And if you're taking notes, could you write this down? If you want to obtain God's favor and be a profitable Christian, if you want to have God's favor on your life and bring profit to the lives of those around you, here's the key that we're going to see from this passage. Minister to your preacher. Minister to your preacher. Oh, of course, there are many ways that, that the Lord Jesus lives through us and brings God's favor on our life. But in this passage, we see if you want God's favor on your life, if you want your life to bring profit to others, minister to your preacher. Well, how do you do that? Well, let's look at the example of Onesiphorus. Number one. You're going to follow this man's example. Let the Lord Jesus live through you. Number one, make a habit of refreshing your preacher. Make a habit of refreshing your preacher. Notice in verse 16, it says of Onesiphorus that he oft refreshed Paul. That word oft, it means many times. It means frequently. A lot, not just here and there, not just once or twice, many times, frequently, oft. 
And this word refreshed, it, it, it literally means to cool off with a breath. Now, I wonder, you, me, are we a breath of fresh air to our pastor, to our preacher? Do, do our lives, do, do, do they encourage him? Are they a source of refreshment to him? Do you want to be a constant source of refreshment to your pastor and secure the favor of God on your life and the life of your family? Well, here are a few ways that you can refresh the man of God. In this passage, the Apostle Paul doesn't really give a lot of details. He just says that Onesiphorus refreshed him. But elsewhere in Paul's writings, you can see specifically how people refreshed him, the man of God. Can you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7? Do you want to make a habit of refreshing the man of God? Well, follow the example of these believers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, you'll remember that uh, Dr. Halsey was preaching from these passages in 2 Corinthians and uh, working with the believers there. But here in chapter 7, notice verse 13. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. But as we speak all things to you in truth, even so our boasting which I made before Titus is found a truth. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you, whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all. How with fear and trembling ye received him. I rejoice therefore that I have confidence in you in all things. How did these Corinthian believers refresh the heart of Titus and then in turn the heart of the Apostle Paul? By simply obeying God. You want to make a habit of refreshing your pastor? Then make the choice to obey God. Makes me think of what the Apostle John wrote in his third epistle. 3 John 1 verse 4. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know what refreshes the heart of a preacher more than anything else? To see God's people obeying God. Uh, to see what's preached from this pulpit being lived out in, in the lives of God's children. That will refresh your pastor. And it refreshed the heart of the Apostle Paul. And I'm sure Onesiphorus was a man who had a habit of obeying God. Remember, it wasn't Onesiphorus that was bringing this favor upon his life. It was, it was Christ working through him. And, and what do we read the Lord Jesus say in John 8, 29? I do always those things that please him. And you know that same Lord Jesus who did always those things that please the Father, who always obeyed his Father, that same Lord Jesus lives in you. And every single day, he is intent on obeying the Father through you. Uh, so why don't we just yield to him and make a habit of obeying God? 
What's another way that you can refresh your pastor? Well, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. He says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That ye submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. And notice verse 17. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. Verse 18. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. You want to refresh the heart of your pastor, not only make a habit of obeying God, but number two, get addicted to the ministry. Get addicted to the ministry. Notice what it says of these people that refreshed the spirit of the apostle Paul. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That's what we need at Metro Baptist Church. Some people that just can't get enough of the ministry. That, that, that so enjoy serving the Lord that it's an addiction to them. They, they've got to get their fix of serving the Lord in the church. And it, it's not a matter of uh, twisting someone's arm or trying to convince someone of the benefit of serving in a ministry. That to their pastor, they, they would not know what to do with themselves. And they would be angry if you took away their place of ministry. Because they've addicted themselves to it. That is the level that God wants to bring us. Where ministry is not just something that I have to do, but something that I get to do, and that I am thrilled to do, and that I'm addicted to. That's how you can refresh the heart of your pastor. And when we think of the indwelling Christ living within us, he said as a 12-year-old boy, and teens and children, you're never too young to get addicted to the ministry. Because Jesus said at 12 years old, I must be about my father's business. You know what? You may not feel like being all that involved in ministry. You may feel like you're too busy or you're too tired to do anymore. Well, the Lord Jesus lives inside you and he must be about his father's business. And when you begin to tap in to his addiction to the ministry, and begin to draw nigh to him, you're going to find that you too must be about your father's business. A third and, and practical way that we can refresh our pastor, and if you turn back with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, is by scheduling ways to refresh him. I love the quote, what gets scheduled gets done. And if we're going to make a habit of refreshing our pastor, we need to put some things on our schedule that would encourage him. That would be a breath of fresh air to him. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, if you'll ask him, he can give you some great ideas for how you can oft refresh the heart of your preacher. So we've seen tonight that if we want to minister to our preacher, we need to make a habit of refreshing him. But number two, we need to stand by him no matter what. Stand by him no matter what. Notice our text here in 2 Timothy 1, 
The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. You notice the verse before that Paul has said, All they which are in Asia have turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. But it's as if there was this spark in his mind as he's thinking of all these people forsaking him, but then he thinks, but not Onesiphorus. He's still with me. He's still standing by me. And Christian, as long as our pastor is preaching the truth of the gospel, we need to stand by him. And the worse and worse this world gets, the more antagonistic Burnaby and BC and Canada and, and the world becomes to the gospel, that is going to become increasingly difficult. But no matter how hard it gets or, 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 or how much opposition there might be, you and I need to determine, I'm going to stand by the man of God. I'm going to stand by the preaching of God's word. I'm not going to be ashamed of his chain. And no matter what, I'm going to continue striving together with him for the faith of the gospel. That'll refresh your pastor for him to know that you're behind him, that you're fighting with him, that he's not alone. And I know as pastor looks out on this Thursday night group, he knows he's not fighting alone, that he's got people with him. And what are some practical ways that we can stand by him? Well, of course, this is the most important, but often the most neglected. We can pray for him. Just simply praying for him. And, and it's so funny when people are going through a hard time. And I, maybe I've gone through something hard and I've had people text me and they say, I'm praying for you. I wish there was more I could do. Do you realize there's nothing greater you can do for our pastor than to pray for him? The Apostle Paul knew how important it was that God's people were praying for him. And in Ephesians 6, verse 19, he says, And pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Do you realize that every time our pastor gets up to preach, especially to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is declaring war on the enemy. He's putting a bullseye right here and telling the enemy, shoot at me. And that's why we've got to pray for him that he may open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Romans 15, verse 30, I love the wording here. The Apostle Paul, he says, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, you realize when you pray for your pastor, it's not just for him. It's not just for his comfort or for his well-being. It's for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And he says, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Isn't that beautiful? That as our pastor is fighting the good fight of faith and staying faithful to preach the gospel, we may not be up there preaching with him, but we can be striving together with him in prayer. We can pray for our pastor. That's one way we can stand by him. But then number two, we can go with him. Go with him to a lost world that desperately needs the gospel. As we're thinking about the indwelling Christ, he doesn't just encourage us from a distance. You know, it's not very Christ-like to say, oh, pray for your pastor. Hope the soul winning goes well. Hope you reach a few people. Are you with him? Are you actively engaged in preaching the gospel on a regular basis? That's another way we can encourage and refresh the heart of our pastor. Finally. In this passage, we see 
We want God's favor on our lives. We want mercy in that day. We want other people's lives to be benefited by the way we live. Number three, go above and beyond the call of duty. Go above and beyond the call of duty. Notice verse 17 of our text. It says of Onesiphorus, when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. And notice the end of verse, 16, verse 18. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. A couple ways that we can go above and beyond the call of duty and refresh our pastor. First, by leaving your comfort zone. Leave your comfort zone. You notice here that, that Paul refers to, to a time when Onesiphorus ministered unto Paul at Ephesus. That's where Onesiphorus lived. And it's one thing to serve God in Ephesus, where you're comfortable, where things are normal, where you're in your comfort zone. But it's a whole other thing to serve God in Rome. And Onesiphorus here wasn't content just to minister to Paul when it was maybe easy or, or more natural or when he was in his comfort zone in Ephesus. When Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he went to Rome. He, he left his comfort zone and found Paul in prison. And when we think about the indwelling Christ, he was willing to leave heaven to come to a sin-cursed earth, uh, to live in a human body, to take upon him the form of a serpent, servant, and he did that for you and he did that for me. Now, I wonder how many of us are really willing to leave our comfort zone in order to serve the Lord Jesus and to serve alongside our pastor. I wonder, Christian, have, have, have you become comfortable where you currently are? Maybe you, you've got your, your ministry and, and you enjoy it, you're comfortable with it, but you don't have any desire to expand beyond that. Well, could you follow the example of Onesiphorus and ask God, Lord, what's next? What, what challenge do you have in front of me? What, 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 how do I need to leave my comfort zone and, and do greater and more difficult things for you? That'll encourage the heart of your pastor. And then another practical way we see from Onesiphorus' example, he went above and beyond the call of duty, not only by leaving his comfort zone, but also by demonstrating a can-do, no-quit attitude. We get the feeling from verse 17 that it, it, it was no picnic trying to find Paul in Rome, trying to find the right prison, uh, trying to be granted access to, to find Paul. But we read of this man that he sought Paul out very diligently until he found him. That'll encourage your pastor. That when we've got some, some mountain to conquer, uh, when, when God's leading us to do some greater work, that rather than bringing up all the reasons why it can't be done, why, why I can't find the jail, and why I could be putting my life in danger if I went all the way to see Paul, instead of focusing on all the obstacles, having a can-do, no-quit attitude, if that's what God wants us to do, we're going to make it happen with his power. And that's the attitude that this man had. And wow, 
how it refreshed the heart of his preacher. And you may not feel very bold. More often than not, you may see all the reasons why it can't be done. But the Lord Jesus lives inside you. And he's the one who it says in Luke 9.51, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem, knowing all that would befall him there, knowing the agony of the cross, knowing that this knucklehead group of disciples still weren't getting it, he steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem and finished the work that his father called him to do. And that same Lord Jesus lives in you and lives in me. And he has a can-do, no-quit attitude. And if we'll just yield to him, we can bring that into our church and encourage the heart of our pastor. In conclusion, there's some interesting wording here. You'll notice in verse 17, it says of Onesiphorus, he sought Paul out very diligently and found him. And notice what Paul prays. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. It's the same word as found in the verse before. And in conclusion, I want you to see this. Because Onesiphorus yielded to the work of the Lord Jesus in his life, and sought the good of his pastor, and sought more than anything else the advance of the work of the gospel. He knew that Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, and so he stood by Paul no matter what. Because this man sought the good of his preacher, and he sought after the, the, the glory of God and the advancement of God's work, in that day, when he sees the Lord Jesus, he will find mercy. You want that to be a, a glorious day when you see the Lord Jesus? Then take to heart the words of Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Mercy in the here and now. Mercy not just for you, but for your household. And mercy in that day. How? By yielding to the life of the Lord Jesus within you and committing to minister to your preacher. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Onesiphorus. And Lord, we thank you that we can follow his example by yielding to the Lord Jesus within us. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to make a habit of refreshing our pastor, that we would simply obey you and we would become addicted to the ministry. And Father, we pray that you would help us to stand by our pastor no matter what, to pray for him, to go with him, preaching the gospel. And Lord, help us to go above and beyond the call of duty, that we would be willing to leave our comfort zone and we would demonstrate a can-do, no-quit attitude with the Lord Jesus living inside us. And I pray that you would unify our church, that with one heart and one mind, we would strive together for the faith of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that as your people choose to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek the good of the man of God that you have put over us, that they would find mercy of you in that day when we see Christ face to face. Oh Lord, please help us to to. Take heed to these truths and live them out in the days ahead. 
We ask that you bless this brief invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, if God has spoken to your heart, would you respond?